tonight to 2 Peter chapter 3, and uh, then we're going to turn back to Philippians chapter 3 real quick. I want to reference two scriptures there. Praise the Lord. You believing with me tonight? Amen. Glory to God. You know, we just continue to see remarkable signs of the Lord's return all over in every facet and avenue. I, I, believe, I don't know that, that we don't have a promised sign in manifestation. <laughs> That Jesus talked about, and God's moving the the world empire, you know, countries and places of power, the chess pieces around, just just getting ready to uh, launch out into the next phase of God's plan for redemption, the restoration of Israel, rapture of the church, His return, and, and uh, so if you're not living like He's coming back before you get to bed, you need to, you know, get yourself stirred up. And, uh, and then, of course, continue to make plans and live like he's not coming for a thousand years. Amen. We continue to press and to do the work of the kingdom and build up the local church and evangelize the lost. And we dream and we have vision. We make plans. Some generation will have all those dreams, visions, and plans interrupted by the rapture. And uh, praise God. I'm, I'm all for that. Amen. Wrap this thing up and let's go up to the marriage supper of the Lamb and celebrate. Amen. And uh, But as long as we're down here, we've got assignments to fulfill. Our assignments are both individual and they are corporate. We need to understand that. The people that neglect having a pastor and neglect uh, being, making themselves a vital part of the local church to the best of their ability, the, you know, their schedule and different things, uh, they are really, they're really missing some key insight into understanding that God has a plan for them in relation to the corporate plan that He has for the body of Christ at large, lived out for most, you know, really for, unless you're just a full-time traveling minister, I guess, who should also have a church and a pastor that they base out of. Uh, praise God. You know, you're, you're, you're shooting that local church in the foot. You're shooting yourself in the foot, too. And so we should be busy about the Lord's business. Amen. And uh, let's read these before I get too far ahead of myself. 2 Peter 3, uh, verses 1 and 2 from my New King James says this, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle. I'm going to say it this way, second time. Right? In both of which I stir up your pure minds. Are their minds pure? Said it. They said it was. Nothing wrong with their minds in this regard. Amen. Which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before. Amen. That you might, uh, again, be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, or you could say it this way, of the commandment we gave, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Now go to Philippians chapter 3, the third chapter of Philippians, and we'll reference the scripture there. And for this one, I'll, I'll quote you the Amplified. So you're finding Philippians 3. I'll requote Peter. He said, I'm now writing the second time. And he has this conscious, notice he's obviously, he's spurred on, inspired by the Holy Ghost to be writing these words. What's his purpose? To stir up, to stir up your mind, your pure minds, by way of reminder. Amen. Amen. So one way this man of God knew the people can be stirred is by reminding them of words they heard before. Amen. On purpose. Amen. Amen. Not because Peter didn't have any, anything else to say, but it's just so uh, important sometimes that we go over again to be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of us, he said the apostles of our Lord and Savior. Paul said something very similar in uh, his letter to the church at Philippi. Chapter 3, verse 1 in the Amplified says, For the rest, my brethren, delight yourselves in the Lord and continue to rejoice that you are in Him. To keep writing to you over and over of the same things is not irksome. I like that word. King James says it's not grievous. Uh, it's interesting, I looked up the original Greek and it means slothful. 
we in our prosperity studies, you know, we've been looking at practical prosperity and, and talked about the dangers of slothfulness. And uh, so this was enlightening to me in this sense that a preacher, one form of slothfulness in a minister could be failing to go over things he's gone over before again and again. Anyway, but here I like the Amplified. It says it's not a bother to me. It's not grievous to me. It's not irksome to me. To, write, to keep, no, I like that language, to keep writing to you over and over of the same things. And notice this last phrase is so important, I think. It is a precaution for your safety. That the congregation, the church at Philippi, Paul said, for me to go over things you're already, you've already heard, you're already, you already agree with, you already believe, you're already established in. It's number one, it's not irksome for me to go over it again. And it's necessary for you because it's a precaution for your safety. Amen. And so I'm bringing up these two scriptures because I want to revisit some, a, a, some truth, amen, and some things that I've taught before, that I've taught many times before. But I just have it in my heart to go over them again and again. Amen. And, uh, you know, uh, praise God, of course, the church was in existence before I came. But even people that had been with me, uh, and my wife for 20 years, uh, me included, are not at the pinnacle of where we need to be in the truth I'm about to highlight, or any truth, right? And so the, the experts among us in this subject are infants in the, in the reality of all that we could be and walk in. Pastor, I don't even know what you're talking about. I, don't, I can't even, well, just hang on. But it, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm talking about, talk about faith or love or prayer or authority. None of us have gone very, as far as we need to go in walking out these truths in everyday life. The other thing that makes going over same things again and again is vitally important is because we have a lot of new people. We have a lot of new people. And it would be unfair, wouldn't it, to them to never go over the vital truths that you've already been established in. Amen. Praise God. And, uh, but uh, it's, it's also an ultimately profitable because we're just not yet where we need to be, where we should be. Amen. As a church. And we want to be and we want to go. Now that doesn't mean that dad's about to spank everybody. That doesn't mean that. And it doesn't mean that we haven't gone a fur piece in spiritual things and in the plan of God. Because we have. We've made great progress. And, you know, to, for me to urge us on, I believe at the urging of the Spirit within me, does not mean that we're, you know, we've failed for all this time. No, God just, you know, He, he takes a tree that's bearing fruit. John 15, what does He do? He prunes it. Why? Because it's bad tree, bad tree? No, it's a good tree. It has produced fruit, but the Lord wants more fruit. He wants better fruit. He wants more fruit. So it's positive all the way around. Amen? Praise God. And so I'm going to talk for a little bit tonight while we have time. Uh, and whatever the Holy Ghost wants to do, I'm, I'm in. But it may just be me exhorting us tonight, talking to us about you know, some things tonight, about uh, not the whole, but a very important part of our mission and our mandate as a local church family. And, uh, you know, so now we go over this with every new person in every new member's class. So there's really no excuse, right? But, uh, you know, it's, it's just easy for, again, the most faithful among us to, to forget to let things slip. It's just so easy to do that. And so, we're, we're, again, we're, we're blessed and it's a safety for us, you know, to go over things again and again. And uh, praise God. So... We have several assignments. Now, we are a, uh, we're striving to be a New Testament church, a biblical church. Uh, amen. A church that pleases Jesus in, in all things. And uh, praise God. And so, as a church like that, we're going to do every good. We got, we've got to be busy about the things that make up a good local church, right? Uh, I don't even need to go over those, all those basic things. But there is... There are some specific things, and it's probably true of every local congregation, that God assigns and He adds. And if we drift from 
the paramount mandate and assignment on a church, it doesn't matter that we have a nice building. It doesn't matter that we have a better location. It doesn't matter that we're sweet. It's mission failure. I said it's mission failure in the eyes of the one who gives the mission. <laughs> the judge of all the world, uh, our Lord and Savior who's given these assignments, if we fail in those, if we drift from those, if we don't keep them in sharp focus, then we're going to fail in the ultimate aim of why we exist as a local church. Amen. I don't know why you're here. I'm glad you're here. But you know, I didn't come from Norman, Oklahoma to here to play church. I, I didn't come here for a paycheck. I came here on a divine assignment. I came here to stand in the office of the pastor and the teacher and to love people and feed his sheep and to just do the very, very best I can. Amen. And these things that uh, God has put on us as a church, I didn't ask for, but we're honored that he put them on us. Amen. And we should embrace them. Glory to God. So uh, I'm just going to go over this again. In 2004, I was praying. Good, Good pastor ought to pray. And I was in my office at Jackson Street, and I was on my knees on the carpet by the coffee table. And I'm just praying along, praying along, both worshiping God, talking to God in my own language, talking to God in other tongues. And up from within me in a very firm, strong way. It was not an audible voice. It wasn't anything like that. But in like many times in the ways he's spoken to me before, up from within my spirit, he said to me, I want you to relocate your ministry. I want you to get in position for a last day move of my spirit. If you don't have that written down somewhere, I'll say it slow again. This is what God said to me in 2004. I want you to relocate your ministry. I want you to get in position for a last day move of my spirit. Now I want to emphasize that last phrase. Get in position for what? A last day move of my spirit. Now if you're sitting there today and that makes you nervous, you could be in the wrong church. Amen. Now, I'm not saying leave, but you may want to be interested in being taught some things. Hear some things. You know, from, from the Word. Praise God. But if you are wanting to venture into a church because, you know, you're hoping this is a place that doesn't allow any of that Holy Ghost business, this is not the place for you. In fact, it's, it's the antithesis of that because the entire reason we did this how many of you were with me in 2004 at Jackson Street? Man, I thought, see, look at how many new people. There's a few of us still here left. Amen. And, uh, you know, praise God. Why did we do it? Why did we upend everything? We had a building. Before we moved out of that building, it was paid for. Amen. You know, whatever. Not in a terrible location in terms of traffic. You know? Why do it? Why go through it all? One reason. Because God said so. But what did He say? Get where you need to be for a last day move of my spirit. If we don't have a last day move of God's spirit, it's all for naught. Well, God promoted us. We have, a, we have a better building. Yes, we do. Thank God for that. But that, that, doesn't, mean, that doesn't mean anything. I said that doesn't mean anything. God moved the world from a dilapidated building in downtown Los Angeles where they sat on cinder blocks and planks and hay bales and moved the world, birthed two great denominations, touched every continent on this planet. It's not about that. If we don't have, cultivate, obey, reach for, focus on, embrace the moving and the outpouring of God's Spirit, then it's all for nothing. It's mission failure. Now again, we're not going to be hanging like Dad used to say, Dad to friend used to say. Now listen, praise God, yielding to the Spirit, having a Holy Ghost church, that doesn't mean that you hang from the chandeliers every night. That doesn't mean you roll on the carpet every service. You can't have camp meeting every day. 
And as a pastor, there's a lot of pastoral things that need to happen, right? I've got to steward your marriage. I've got to steward your children and your parenting. We've got to minister to you about finances and, and uh, you know, how to pray and, and do a lot of just what we do. Amen. That's all wonderful and of the Spirit and part of what God is talking about. Amen. You know, God went on in that moment of prayer to tell me. He gave me three or four, I think it was four criteria that the new location had to have. I'll try to rehearse them real quick. He said, number one, you have to have all the land that you would need to do anything I tell you to do in the future. Number two, he said, you cannot have, don't even look for a church like in a residential area or in a downtown area, anything that's got a locked-in or a neighborhood feel. Then he said, then you have to have, you need to be on a major thoroughfare. You need to be on a major thoroughfare so everybody in the region can come. Missing? I don't know, something, something else. So anyway, we set out to do all that. And God brought about this location supernaturally. This property was not for sale. It fit the bill, though, doesn't it? It's in a regional uh, location. Uh, praise God. We have plenty of land. Amen. We have the potential to acquire more land if we needed to. You know, it would be easy for God to work that around. Uh, praise God. We're on a four lane. We're certainly in a Barclay Regional Airport. Is across the street. Amen. You know, I don't know, I haven't added it up lately, but I'm, I'm guessing over 20% of our congregation comes from over from Illinois, and not just right in the river Illinois, but, but you know, fur, you know, in the woods in Illinois. I mean, in Illinois. Amen. How long does it take you guys to get down here? 35 minutes. I know it takes almost an hour for the fill pots. I don't see them tonight. What's your drive? 40 minutes. 40 minutes. 35 if John's driving. Right? Yeah, the Johnsons. How, how, how far do you drive? About 50 minutes down to get here. Amen. So, amen. And so, praise God. So, I wanted to remind us all, praise God, that there is a specific prophetic mandate on our church to... And I'm just going to go ahead and jump ahead to something Reverend Siegel said. We were talking about some things. I'd never talked to him about this. You know, um, never related all that to him. And he said, we were talking about some things, and, and uh, he said, you know, from my office, Pastor, I know and I see that God would have this church, your church, be a regional hub in this last day for the last day move of God in the revival. Not the only, but a regional hub. And I, said, and I went in and told him that whole thing. That's just more, this, it's not the first, second, third, or tenth confirmation we've had along that line, but you use the word regional. Amen? And uh, so we're not trying to puff up our congregation at all. What we have is a weighty responsibility, a weighty responsibility to cooperate with God. And, uh, you know, this is, I am convinced... It's not me and my persuasive personality, you know, that's opened all these doors with these wonderful ministers and wonderful ministries. Amen. I've only been, I've only had one major national, international ministry that I've ever reached out to not come. And it was because God was steering me toward a different camp of vain. Amen. We've just had tremendous favor. Just tremendous favor. It's not because of me. It is because God is sending them here to a regional location, to a congregation that at least says that we're hungry. Amen. And we are. Praise God for the plan of God in this last day and hour. And people like Reverend Siegel, why are they coming? What are they ministering on? Or, you know, whether it's, it's not just him. Uh, when Reverend Marty Blackwilder was here, I go back and I read those prophecies urging us on in that same direction. Amen? Reverend Jim Hockaday, you know, when he's here, if you go back and listen to those messages, you go back and you read the, the prophetic things, utterances that, that he spoke out, all urging us to take further steps, to go deeper into the realm of the Spirit. And how easy it is to just want to back out and get into a rut and to get into a routine. 
Amen. Hallelujah. And I know I have a responsibility to keep us out of that rut. And I'm trying. That's what I'm trying to do tonight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So one of the reasons why God is is giving us such favor with such ministry, why are we getting to host a miracle crusade that will draw ministers and people from literally around the United States to Paducah? I'm not trying to down the town. I love the, I love the city. But, I mean, come on, guys. We don't have a big airport. We have one runway. And yeah. come on. I, I, I'm kind of convinced that, you know, a lot of these hotels, they're being built for the revival. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Just trying to stir you. Just trying to remind you. Just trying to let the new ones know, what are we about? What are we doing? What's the aim? Well, among a lot of things, like getting your life fixed and your life straightened out, your marriage on the right track and all of that, we've got to corporately cooperate with God to have what He told us to have. So, you know, it's, it, it's occurred to me, not, not today, okay, but it has occurred to me that this position, he used the word position, get in position for a last day move my spirit, is not just geographic in nature. Amen? With the building inspector finally, 16 years later, giving us full approval for every square foot in the building for church use, we've completed that assignment that he gave me in 2004, geographically. But we must be spiritually positioned. We must be spiritually ready and equipped to cooperate with God. So before I let you go, I wanted to give you four, just four quick things, steps we can all take. Amen. That I know and believe will help propel our church even further into the deeper waters that Ezekiel talked about. Now, I, I know we're not the only church that God's endeavoring to get moved in this direction. Amen. But I'm not responsible for those other churches. I've just got my little part in my little pond. Amen. And I'm not downplaying it. We have a significant assignment on us all. Amen. And uh, listen, guys, I've been doing this 20 years. If I could teach us into it just all by itself, we'd be there. Because I'm a gifted teacher from God. I mean, I just am. I couldn't do this by myself. Amen. That's not a pride thing. Don't get touchy about stuff. I'm just telling you, the gift to teach is there. You have been taught. We have been taught. Amen. But there's further revelation and things that, you know, it's like Reverend Siegel was, you know, being used of God to remind us all, you have a part. You have a part in every service. Amen. About what does and what does not happen. In the service. And maybe you've not seen that or accepted that, but it is, it is true. We're joined together. We're connected together as a body, hands and feet. Amen. And all the different parts of the body. So quickly, the first one, number one, be interested. You know, I can't. I, I wish I could ding you on the head, bring you up into the prayer line, punch you in the gut, teach it into you, but I can't make you interested in God. I can't make you interested in the plan of God. I can't make you interested in the presence of God. I can't make you interested in God having His way. You have to do it. You have to work on your own relationship with Jesus. So that you're not just practicing a dry religion. But that you are living a daily walk in a communion with Jesus. Through the Word. He is the Word. And through the person of the Holy Spirit. And if we're walking close with Jesus, He is going to put into us a stirring, amen, and a desire with what He is hungry for, with what He is desirous for. Reverend Siegel very skillfully reminded us of 
how necessary this move of God is to the end times. Amen. The early and the latter rain is required to maximize the harvest of souls that God wants before He comes. Amen? Like He said, the programs and all of that, that, that have not, that's just not done it. We have to have the early and the latter rain. Amen? And we're not waiting on God to send it. He's waiting on us to receive it. Well, let, just real quick here, and you could write this down. If you can take time to turn to it before I get done, fine. But it's in Exodus 3, 1 through 5 will be the reference for this. Num- number one is be interested. Be interested. Be interested in what? A last day move of God's Spirit. The outpouring of God, the presence of God, signs, wonders, and miracles, healings, demonstrations, manifestations that would exalt Jesus, that would bring people to Him. Amen. Outward shows of evidence, amen, that would, uh, you know, uh, silence the critic and the skeptic and the doubter and the unbeliever. Amen. amen. God has always been willing to demonstrate His power. In Exodus 3, 1 through 5, we have this. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he, Moses, so he looked. Now just imagine you're, you're doing your thing, you're tending sheep, you've done this every day for 40 years. Off in the short distance there you see a bush, you see lots of those, only this one's on fire. That may not be all that unusual either. Amen? But he looked and he noticed something unusual. What did he notice? The bush burned but was not consumed. Now, would you be interested in a bush on fire that wasn't consumed? I would be. I hope I would be. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I love this, highlight this, I will now turn aside. I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. He didn't know everything. There's a lot he didn't understand. It was curious to him, but he stopped. He stopped doing what he was doing. He didn't just pass it by. Amen? He turned aside and he looked. You want to know why? Because he was interested. He was curious. Amen. You don't have to know everything about the move of God. I don't know everything about the move of God, but I'm interested. My journey with Jesus never started just because of a dry religion. I wasn't raised in church. God found me on the bottom, on the bottom, on the bottom. You know, drunk and suicidal, messed out of my gourd, about to blow hell wide open. That's where He found me. It took power to change my nature. It took power, amen, to capture my heart. It took reality, truth, light. Amen. I only had a little bit of a Baptist reference, and then I had a Methodist reference, but I was never offended by the move of the Spirit. I was hungry for God, hungry for truth, hungry for reality. I still am today. Amen. And And just that alone, I'm interested. I need Him. He's changed my life. What does He interest in? And I'm interested in that. Amen. It's power that changed my life, so I know it's going to be power that changes Courtney. It's going to be power that takes Jeremy on from where he is now as a new believer, on into the things that God has for him. It takes power to break addictions and strongholds off of our mind and, and to lift people up out of wheelchairs. And Come on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This whole thing with Moses, his destiny began because he was interested. He was interested. Verse 3 says, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. If you're in verse 4, if you made it to there, Exodus 3, look at that and you might highlight it. So when the Lord saw. So when the Lord saw. He spoke. He said, Moses, Moses. He, God introduced, I mean God, the I am, come on, God introduced himself to give an assignment to a deliverer. Moses was about to step into his destiny. What if he saw the bush and kept on walking? Too busy, got too much to do, not interested in that. We got a ball game tonight. Not interested. 
He'd have just walked past his destiny. Notice God gave him, and he'll do that, he'll try to do that with all of us. He, that burning bush was something to get Moses' attention. And God is trying to get all of his children's attention in these days. So he did something, he moved. And it may not be a burning bush, but if you'll pay attention at all, you'll find God is doing something in your life to get your attention in these last days, to get your not being squirrely anymore and and to get you going the right direction, to get you out of that sin, to get you saved. And then once he's saved, he's got something wonderful for your life. But you've got to be interested. The plan of God's just not going to fall on you because God has one. God moves in the lives of the interested. It wasn't until Moses turned aside to look that God said. Yeah. Hallelujah. God waited to see. He did a little something, then he waited to see. Are they interested? God will do a little something in a service. Drop a little anointing. Give you a little goosebump. Give you a little little bit of a sensation or something a little different in the atmosphere. But if you're not interested, you're more interested in the water fountain, stretching your legs in the hallway, whatever that might be, amen. And if enough of us in any one service show God we're not interested, we won't get, we won't get. All of us will suffer. All of us will not get what God wanted us to get. If enough, it doesn't have to be all of us. If enough in the service show themselves to God uninterested, all of us will fall short of what God wanted to do, wanted to say, wanted to move in those services. That's why I'm telling you, number one is be interested. Amen. Praise God. Uh, I don't think I'll say that, Father. Hallelujah. Glory. But, uh, you know, people, people in their flow of their week, they show, they show what they're interested in. In, in, a lot, in, their, in a lot of their overt actions and words, but in a lot of subtle ways too. Amen. I mean, when you come in repeatedly during praise and worship and grab the back of the chair and just stand there like a log, you're showing all of us and God that you're not interested. You're not interested in praising Him. You're not interested in celebrating Him. There's nothing alive in you that wants to express your gratitude for what He's done for you. A lot of people tolerate praise and worship because they're interested in the teaching. And a lot of people tolerate the teaching so they can have the praise and worship. (laughs) It's just messed up. It's just carnal. Amen? God doesn't bother or interrupt the uninterested. Amen. And I have seen in my pastoral ministry people uh, who, have, who have shown, you know, just being around me, they're not interested. They're not interested. And I've had people, you know, precious ones, been with me a long time. Precious, don't get me wrong. But I have not been able to break through their lack of interest. Doesn't matter. If I thought I could put on a cone hat and do something to get people interested in a special meeting that is so vitally important, but they're just not interested. Amen. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm learning. I am learning. Like I learned something in the approach to this meeting. That uh, I need to, it'd be a higher way of thinking, instead of me trying to do gymnastics to get the uninterested to come, I ought to encourage people not to come. So that only the truly interested will come. And we might have a lot fewer people, but we will have an end-time move of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then we'll see everybody else on Sunday. I, 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 
Listen, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm sorry to you, Father, for saying I'm sorry. Amen? We just need to take it where we need to take it. And it's not because we haven't gone anywhere, but we need to go further. God wants to take us further. Amen. Number two, real quick. Trying to move. Amen. Number two is practice honor. Practice honor. Now, this is not just a sermon. This is a sermon series. This is a year's worth, right? I can only just mention it. But, you know, it's obvious we cannot have a move of the Spirit if we are actively grieving the Spirit. That just doesn't work, does it? Ephesians chapter 4, around verse 30 says, Don't grieve, don't grieve the Holy Ghost. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, don't quench the Holy Ghost. And if you quench or put out, you're actually, people are putting down, right? There's all kinds of terms that we've used to try to describe this. People's resistance, right? Uh, They're putting the brakes on. Uh, They're looks of discomfort and dissatisfaction when God begins to do anything other than teach a nice Bible lesson. Amen. Now, I know that's, we're, we're past that in the church. You know, we're past that here, most of us. Praise God. But uh, a lot of us, this is, this is again where we're not being spanked, but this is about learning. It's about learning. Because a lot of us, I have sweet, sincere, I didn't mean to grieve the Spirit, but I did grieve the Spirit. The bottom line is it doesn't matter that I didn't mean to. He's grieved. You know what I mean? And so we need to learn how to honor the things of the Spirit, honor the things of God. The word honor means weighty. doesn't mean to be frowning in bad mood, but it means weighty, something weighty. The opposite of weighty would be light. So if you want to dishonor the Holy Ghost or anyone or a thing, then you treat it lightly. You treat it with a sense of casualness. Amen? And this is where it's just so easy because we come here every week. It is part of our routine. Even special meetings, we've done them so often, you know, that, you know, we kind of know how they roll, know how they go, and a little bit, la, la, la. Amen? That we have to break ourselves free of the lifeless routine. And you have to, the only way you can do that for yourself individually, you have to talk to yourself. You have to make sure you're thinking along a certain line. Amen? What an honor. Come to church is an honor. You talk to yourself. And when you sense yourself getting lax, talk, preach to yourself. No, you don't. No, you don't. It's an honor and a privilege. I need the word. I don't know everything. I'm, I got lots of areas. In a, no, get yourself. And, and come with that sense of honor. So we treat the things of God and the things of the Spirit with weight. What does that mean? Another way to say it is something that you honor, you treat it as rare and precious. You treat it as rare and precious. Amen? I'm blessed to have two. And it may not be your deal. It probably isn't because I'm a little different maybe. But I, I like shoes. I'm not a girl, but I do like shoes. Amen. I have more shoes by far than my wife does. I like these shoes. They're one of my newest ones. They're blue. Y'all get that? It's kind of nice. Anyway. But uh, for my birthday, I got a pair of Salvatore Ferragamo shoes. And they're a little bit, they're higher end. Now, you could spend a lot more than I spent on those shoes. And I didn't rob the church to do it. I had a birthday and, and uh, I had the money. And, but I tell you what, when I put those shoes on, it ain't to feed the chickens. <laughs> I have a pair of boots for that. Muck boots. And I love the name. Because what do you do? You get muck on the muck boots. That's just what you do. Amen? But those don't go in my house. But my Ferragamos, you know, sometimes depending on the weather, I won't even leave. I'll put them in a bag and put my bad shoes on and wear them here. And when I get in the building, put my Ferragamos on so I don't get water spots on them. Right Now, why am I behaving this way? Why am I treating them differently? 
I have assigned a greater value to them. Every little thing we do and say when it comes to church is communicating to everyone else, but more, most importantly, to the Holy Ghost. To the Holy Ghost. How, what we think, what, we, what value are we assigning? The assembling together, our place in the body, and what He wants to do in our midst. Amen? Amen. I won't go into all the details, but Monday night, uh, during this special meeting, Reverend Siegel got in my truck. I picked him up from the hotel. And uh, the anointing on him, you could tell it. He asked me later. I said, yes, I did. I sensed it. It was holy. It was weighty. It was different. It was heavy. We didn't even talk on the way here. And um, so we came in and we had the service. It's a little bit different. He's a little bit different guy anyway, so it didn't surprise me. He said, I'm going to stay back. I'll be in. I'll be in before you're ready for me. No problem. And so, you know, he's, he, he told me later, he said that anointing when I came in the building, it just shut down. And it grieved me, uh, and I'm trying to figure this out. Why? Came into sanctuary, praise and worship was going. That wasn't it. The Holy Ghost kind of said, well, go back out in the hallway, so he didn't sat down. And so he just sat there while praise and worship was going on, and he made observations. Now, I'm not here to get into the details. I'm doing little things behind the scenes, just correct. Nobody did anything wrong. Nobody was doing anything rebellious. Nobody was doing anything simple. Don't think about anything like that. But, you know, uh, when there was enough of us that were not engaged in, in just being casual about things when we were not where we were supposed to be. And it, look, I'm not the judge, and Reverend C, but the Holy Ghost said, see, it's that it, that's it right there, and I'm grieved and I'm not moving. You can just teach him tonight. And I sensed all through the service, this service is not going the way I sensed it could have gone. Then at lunch yesterday, he told me about it. And he said, and listen, I've been the cause in services before why God didn't have his highest flow. Me. And of course, he deals with me. (laughs) But that night, it wasn't me. Amen. And uh, praise God. And, and, you know, I'm I'm saying this for illustrative purposes. I'm not trying to call out anything or anybody. Um, but the, the, the learning point is, is that um, it mattered to the Spirit what everyone in the building was doing and what they weren't doing. So much so that he was not, there was an anointing there on him that night for something different. I don't know what it would have been. Would it have been a prophecy we all would have heard from God or uh, a miracle a healing, a rejoicing flow, who knows? A series of things. Whatever it was, we did not get. We just did not get. And, uh, you know, uh, now, so, but no, no, Tuesday night, t- totally different. Totally different. We had a wonderful service. And just, I, I, I really walked away feeling like we, we, got, we got what God wanted. But I had asked God in the interim, in repentance myself as the pastor, uh, Father, give us tonight what we should have got last night. Just in your mercy. We didn't. What we got, we got was good for Tuesday night. But we just lost whatever was. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel. But that bothers, Pastor. That bothers me. Amen. And uh, so, uh, who are we going to lynch? Nobody. No, because you come to enough services, you're probably the one at some point that contributed to the Holy Ghost not having His way. You know, so it's, it's not about being condemned. It's not about being beat up. It is about learning that it really does matter. Amen. And you know, if you have a job during the service outside the sanctuary, be about that job. Be about that job. But don't, once it's time for, once praise and worship and the, the, the ministry has begun, though you're not in the sanctuary, it's not necessarily time to, you know, to shoot the breeze out in the sanctuary. You, if you have a job outside the sanctuary, you could be quietly praying in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. 
and releasing your faith. Amen. And, and I'm not saying we can't ever chat about a ball game. You know, that's what pre-service is for. That's what post-service is for. Right? Amen. But when it's time to hook on, I said, when it's time to hook on, then we need to hook on. We need to hook on. So we just need to be interested, and we need to practice honor. I highly encourage you, because I'm, I'm, I'm running up against the clock. Uh, if you didn't get Reverend Siegel's book, What Meaneth This, get it and read it. I'm about halfway through it myself. It's really good. And then your pastor wrote this little book right here called The Prophet Honor Connection. Amen. And, and, and rehearse those truths. Amen. You know, this, this is not, you know, a, a WHC Paducah problem. Do you know in Mark chapter 6, Jesus tried to go to his own hometown? And the Bible says there, because of the way they behaved, he could there do no mighty work. He could, he, right there, in that moment with them, he could do no mighty work. And see, God wants to do mighty works. And again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. People are praying, miracles, Father, miracles, 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 miracles. Listen, miracles don't happen because we pray. Miracles happen because we hunger and we're honorable. We're interested. Now, hungry people pray, don't they? Amen. Well, I got to at least, you know, tell you about number three and four just real quick. Number three is strive for unity. Strive for unity. Amen. I don't, I didn't say make a half-hearted effort. I mean strive at it. Work toward it. What do I mean? Well, in Ephesians 4, 3, we are, spirit-filled instruction, our believers are instructed to endeavor to keep. That word keep means to guard and preserve and defend the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In other words, uh, it is... It is our individual honor and responsibility to not fuss with each other. Amen. To walk in love in our homes. To close the door to strife, to hurt feelings, to offenses. Amen. To set aside personality differences. It is not okay to have someone in this building that you, you know, if they're in this hall, you want to be in this one. Y'all need to have a meeting in the middle, like right here in the altar on your knees. Amen. Nobody in the church has to be your best friend. I'm just saying, but you cannot have, we cannot have strife. Amen. We have, and it's not just about not being offended and not, that's a big part of it. But part of the unity is not just shunning the negative side of that, but hook on. Right? In other words, become one. Unify around the plan of God for the service. I don't know what the plan of God's service is. You know, if you pray more, He'll tell you what the plan of God of the service is. He will. I've been confused before in services thinking, I'm going to preach in this meeting, maybe a multi-service meeting, because I'm, I'm getting downloads, I'm, I'm, and, then, and then all of a sudden, the sermon that I got, Pastor Nancy preached. I'm like, well, obviously I'm not preaching. Amen. She preached it line for line. I got the outline and everything. Amen. Well, why would God do that? We're one in the Spirit. We're united in the Spirit. And if you're sensitive to the Spirit, He'll bring you in on what's happening. You come in the door, ooh, I don't know, I sense a healing flow in here. And then if no healings happen or no movement that way, you either know you miss God or pastor miss God. Right? And But you learn. So it's not just, you know, it's, it's not just, yes, we have to work to, I'm not going to be in strife, I'm not going to fuss and fight, I'm not going to argue, I'm not going to do any of that. But also, I'm not just going to come and not be a part. I'm going to enter in. So part of unity, guarding and protecting the unity of the Spirit, is when it's time to praise God, praise God. If you don't praise God when it's time to praise God, we're not in unity. 
if, we have, if we're moved upon to pray and we're praying but you don't, then we're not in unity. If the Spirit of God starts to move and you go, oh, I don't like these kind of services, we're not in unity. You broke unity. Amen. So it's just, these are things that we can practice to move toward. You know, in Psalm 133, that, it's only got three verses in that psalm, but it says, uh, Behold how pleasant it is where brethren are dwelling together in unity. And then it begins to talk about, in that atmosphere, the anointing flows. The anointing flows. In what atmosphere? When brethren are dwelling together in unity, the anointing flows. And then in verse 3 it says the commanded blessing of God is there in that company, in that midst. God's commanded blessing is where Christians are dwelling together in unity. If nothing else, you could come in and say, God, have your way. God, have your way. We can all unify around that. God, have your way. Last one. Amen. Last one is become a responder and a receiver. Now, there's going to be a progression to this for each one of us individually. It took God months to get this Methodist boy to raise my hands with freedom and liberty. Months. Just on that. Months. And the Holy Ghost is patient. He's patient. He worked with me for months. I fought him the whole way. I do this. And he goes, that's not enough. Weeks would go by, and I'm here. So sweet. He didn't yell at me. He didn't. But he worked with me. I said, Pastor, I don't even get that. What does he mean you worked with me? See, this is what I mean. You've got to become a receiver and a responder. You've got to become sensitive to the Holy Ghost yourself so that you can sense what to hook on to. Amen. Well, I just I had an inward prompting. I just had an inward urging. I sure didn't want to. So I know it's not me. You know when something's coming up that's good and godly on the inside, but you don't want to? Honey, you know it's not you. So it must be God. You know what I'm thankful? The first thing he didn't prompt me to do in the service was run. He's good. But you know, there came a service. I said, there came a service where he told me to run. And there wasn't anybody else running. There was no, there was no caravan to join with. There was over 1,500 people in that room. And he did scream at me the third time then. I about came out of my shoes. But I ran. And it broke something in me. And it brought a greater anointing down. into It blanketed that whole congregation. I, God did that but he found someone that would just respond. And you're going to have your own progression in that, your own journey, and you're free to have that in this congregation. Amen? But again, some of you have been with me a long time. I mean, a long time. And you're still a, you're still a telephone pole. We love you, but come on now. To whom much is given, much is required. A lot of us, we've had a lot of time. You know, people that don't seem to sense God's movement in the corporate flow, I believe that's because they're not responding to Him very much in their private flow. That's where you practice. And I don't even mean run around your bedroom. Do that if you want to. But I'm talking about when the Holy Ghost prompts you to apologize to your wife for what you... Respond to the Holy Spirit. When, he, when he's, you're sitting on the couch resting and he says, go read your Bible, you just have that urging, that prompting come up on the inside, randomly go read your Bible. Honey, go read your Bible. That is the Holy Spirit. You may get an urging or a prompting to go pray. Listen, this is where it starts. Practice yielding to, and the more you, you begin to look, like we've been teaching on Sundays, to the witness of the Holy Ghost, the witness of the Spirit. He's leading you in daily things. And then you're going to sense Him letting you know what He's emphasizing in the corporate flow. And you've been following Him all week. 
So there's nothing else to do but yield to that same spirit. You don't have to wonder, oh, is this God or not God? You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you telling you that it's God. Now, we've had people run in the church and it totally not be God. And that's okay. They missed it. That's all right. That's going to happen. I'd rather have fire than a church full of wet blankets. You're going to make some mistakes. That's all right. Just be humble. Amen. How will you know? Well, there'll be that urging. There'll be that prompting. Amen. And if there's not that urging and that prompting, then don't do it. We'll say, well, see, that's why I don't do it. I don't have that urging and prompting. No, you've been so good at quenching the Holy Ghost. You get my meaning? But you can, be, if you'll practice co- cooperating more with the Holy Ghost in your private time, when you get in that corporate flow, He'll, if that same spirit, the same prompting, will say, will urge you to praise God and to live, open your mouth and to say amen when pastor's preaching. And you'll be amazed at what it does in you. What it does for you. He's just trying to get some joy moving in your life. Hey, you young people back there, Judah, let me see your teeth, man. Come on, smile at me. Some people just so, see a lot of people that come in church are so beat up in their circumstances, their life, and God wants to get a flow of joy going. And people leave and say, I ain't got no joy. Yeah, you got your teeth. Stop that. You'd be amazed at what an amen will begin to do for you in church. Wave a hanky. I love Pastor Michael Lekatic, man. He, he'll throw that rod out there and go, oh, yeah, reel at it. Oh, he's just hilarious. But see, he's with you. You've got to learn to be a responder, to be a receiver. God wants to do something in your life when you come to church. I said he wants to do something in your life when you come to church. One of the things he wants you to do, he wants you to have some happiness. He wants you to have some joy and not be such a stick in the mud. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Amen. Praise God. But you have to learn. Amen. Books like this and coming to special meetings and taking advantage of these different things. I tell you what, church. Oh, hallelujah. Are so vitally important. Amen. I took a little extra time and I'm going to take a minute more. Hallelujah. In 2003, and I'm, I'm, this is my closing right here. Uh, February 18th, 2003, Kenneth Hagin's annual Word and Spirit, uh, it's a, what, what do they call it? Winter Bible Seminar. It's what they called it, week of meetings. We were there. Brother Hagin went home to be with the Lord in September of that year. So this is the year he went home to be with the Lord. He, he spoke in other tongues for 45 minutes. We all prayed, thousands of us. And he brought him a chair and he, he prayed and then he interpreted that prayer. And I have just a small portion here. And then I have something God gave me to prophesy. And uh, then we'll, we'll go home. Amen. Brother Hagin said this uh, by tongues and interpretation. And you just judge it, but the Lord's speaking through him. We pride ourselves in being a word church and a word people. And right and good, for it is true, saith the Lord, that you are a word people. But do not forget that you're also a Holy Ghost people. Spiritual. Yes, the word goes forth, but again and again, the Spirit has endeavored to move in your midst, and you've ignored Him. And you've kept quiet. Some have yielded temporarily to the Spirit. For the Spirit seeks to manifest Himself. He'll manifest Himself in Revelation. Revealing unto you through the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the discerning of spirits. And he's endeavored to speak. For he does speak even unto his people by the Holy Spirit. By tongues and interpretation, by prophecy. And many have held back and would not speak out. And by so doing have quenched the Spirit. And have not only quenched the Spirit, but grieved the Spirit. Yea, listen to what the Spirit is saying. For there will be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in these latter days, the latter rain, the early rain, and the latter rain together to gather in the fruit of the earth, which He is waiting to receive before He comes again. Yea, it's coming. Amen.
It's interesting, that's 2003. God spoke to me in 2004. Get in position for a last day move my spirit. This afternoon I, I heard this came up and it was as if I was here in this moment, though I wasn't. It's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And these words bubbled up out of my spirit. I went ahead and typed them up. Amen. I could probably just prophesy it to you, but I'll, uh, I'll just read this. Hallelujah. But this came by the spirit of prophecy to this congregation for this moment. Amen. And I've heard this bubbling up from within me today. And yes, you, many of us, who have been saved for many years, and in this church for many years, you're no more developed in spiritual things today than you were in the beginning. You're just as carnal and dominated by the flesh today as you were ten years ago. You've not made progress, the progress you should have made. Oh, yes, you heard the word and received the truth, but you did not act on it. And so you just stayed right there. Not moving ahead, not developing. And yes, the Lord has been merciful. The Lord has been very patient and forbearing. But now the time has come to make a decision. Now is the time to get serious. Now is the time to finally make the dedication and the consecration to grow and to change, to turn and to walk in a new way and head in a new direction. It's time. It's time to get in. It's time to move and to go on with God. For those who will, blessing, restoration of things lost, a new beginning and acceleration. My glory and my power shall rest upon them. But for those who do what they have done many times before, hear and receive and say amen, but leave and stay the same, a deadness and a dryness shall come upon them, and they shall be left behind, shipwrecked upon the dry bank, untouched and unchanged by the river of my glory that is flowing just before them. So today, I, the Lord of heaven and earth, call you to record today to choose. Choose which way you shall go. Hallelujah. Honey, would you just come to the keyboard real quick? Hallelujah. 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 Before we dismiss, just close your eyes and bow your head. And if, 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 that, if you fit anywhere within...